Hello, live streamers. You know, it's a rainy day here. I'm still on break. And I was going to put on yet another Evergreen podcast so I can relax. Then I got a text that said Raphael Devers had a contract extension. It's time to do an emergency episode of Locked On MLB. Locked on MLB, your daily MLB podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, there's my lower third. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer, currently sitting in the bedroom that I called my room during my high school days. I am now beginning my fifth year as a member of the Lockdown Podcast Network. And boy, oh boy, this year is starting off with a little bit of big news if you're a Boston Red Sox fan. You can follow me on Instagram at Sully Baseball Podcast. You can follow the show at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. And make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube where you can see me. This is not where I normally do it. I have my normal ring light and everything like that. But you know what? Sometimes you got to do the podcast because this is breaking news. If you're watching us on the live stream, be sure to jump in the chat. And we'll talk about things as they occur. Wow. Um, I, you know, I have to say I'm stunned. I'm absolutely stunned. I saw, uh, it's funny. I was, um, uh, looking at the Mercury news because I'm an old man and I still read a newspaper. I'm up here in the Bay area and I was reading the Merc and I saw a little blurb that said, Raphael Devers avoids arbitration and agrees to a one year contract with the Boston Red Sox for the 2023 season. And I rolled my eyes. In fact, I rolled my eyes all the way back to my head. I think they came back around because I thought to myself, well, that's it. He's got a one-year deal. There's no way the Red Sox are going to resign him. No way they're going to put him to a long-term deal. And lo and behold, they did. Just minutes later, I got a text. And actually, I got about three or four texts. I was hoping there wasn't death in the family. I saw there were three or four texts, and I saw they were all from my friends who are diehard Boston Red Sox fans. And I looked at one of them and said, geez, what, what's up? And I saw that Rafi, and because I had, Raphael's signs was one of the texts I got. And I just wrote, it's just one year. Because I had just finished looking at that blurb. I said, well, what are you getting so excited about? He avoided arbitration. I said, he's good as gone. And I said, no, it's 11 years. So I was only a decade off. Now, uh, the terms are, let, let's just take a look at what the terms are. The terms are blah, blah, blah. Uh, the Boston Red Sox have signed Rafael Devers to an 11-year, $332 million contract. Now, obviously, that's more money that, you know, unless you are Aaron Judge, listening to the show. If you are, please, please jump in the chat room. Um, that's more money than 
on any of us are going to see in our life. So obviously it's great uh, for him. Uh, there's some people saying it's a team-friendly deal. It very well may be. Who knows what the annual uh, annual value will be on a contract. But I never begrudge someone to signing saying, hey, I'm going to have security for the next 11 years of my life. You would do it. I would do it. And Raphael Devers has signed. Now, let's just open up now again. I don't know all the particulars. This has happened less than an hour ago that this was announced. So let's just go to baseballreference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth, and scroll on down, shall we? You know, this is the same uh, offseason where uh, Xander Bogarts skedaddled. Um, this has been a rough bunch of years, but I'll get I'll get to what this means for the Red Sox organization in just a minute. Let's just, just open up Raphael Devers. Now, keep in mind, Rafi is open up baseballreference.com, single website in the history of the planet Earth. Uh, Rafi played last year as a 25-year-old. Um, he uh, will turn. Well, let's see. Let's open this up. He will. He's 26 years old. He's not going to turn 27 until uh, late October, and hopefully, he'll be still playing on his birthday. I, and again, people who have accused me of bias and everything like that, I have never made any bones that I grew up in New England. I grew up a huge Boston Red Sox fan. I've never pretended to have any other allegiance and anything like that. I have strong um, soft spots in my heart for Seattle, for San Francisco, for several other teams, but I've never, ever pretended that I'm not, uh, didn't grow up a huge Boston Red Sox fan. And someone, some people have said I'm being too biased. Um, All right, I'm just going to break down what this means to the team. Now, one thing that keep in mind, he's 26 years old, and he has been playing now for, um, I'm going to say six years. He, I mean, he was a rookie in 27, played half the season in 2017, uh, was a big reason why they were able to get rid of Pablo Sandoval. And he has been uh, uh, an all-star several times. He's been the top 15 of the MVP vote in three of the last four years. He you like batting average, he's high batting average. You like OPS, he's high OPS. You like home runs, he hits a lot of home runs. He led the league in doubles in uh, 2019 uh, and was a big, big part of the team that won the division in 2017 without a DH, remember. And he had two home runs in that division series against Houston, including an inside the Parker in the, in the finale. In the uh, playoffs... He uh, of 2018, he wound up, he drove in six runs in uh, four games played against the Houston Astros. I had an OPS of 1.082, and uh, he did not have a great World Series against Los Angeles, but he did have uh, a big in the uh, uh, division series against the Rays in 2021 and the ALCS in. Um, 2021 against Houston, he combined for five homers. He's been a very productive player. He's also, when you keep in mind, yes, he has played six years with the Red Sox. Um, he is going to be still a player in his prime. Let's just say till 30, 26, 27, 28, 29. So he's going to give them five years of prime Raphael Devers. And there are several years where he 
did you know his pre-arbitration years so he wound up it, it's it's justice you know because he wound up giving them excellent years um his first two seasons made under a million and now here he is and so what i'm saying is uh, i don't mind this contract even the length of it because you know you're getting all of those prime years is it is he going to have bad years towards the end yeah probably but one thing this does do is, first of all, it throws a bone to Red Sox fans who are mad. They are steaming mad. And even though when we did the suffering index on a few days ago, the Red Sox fans have the fourth lowest suffering index because of their recent championships and everything like that. Yes, Astros fans, you should pro asterisks against the 2018 team as well. That being said, they have seen what looked like was going to be a core with Betts, Benintendi, Bogarts, the three Bs, Rafael Devers, Christian Vasquez. You saw a team that was being put together that was going to be together for a long time suddenly get disbanded. And for stupid reasons, money reasons, the Red Sox will have so much money. They can print money. They should never, you know, the way the Mets are behaving, like, what, what's this money problem? We got money. We got money. We got money. That's the Red Sox. And the fact that they would act like they're a small market team is banana boat time. Giving up on a homegrown MVP like Mookie Betts or a player like Xander Bogarts, who's a key part of two World Series titles. And an all-star and got big, huge hits against the Yankees in the postseason. You're going to get rid of those players? The players that, that those are the Devers, Bogarts, and Betts should be the, at, at least those three should have been the foundation for this team until, you know, the year 2027. That would have been 10 years with those three as teammates. We know they at least got one tainted World Series and maybe pick up a second non-tainted one, which would be the equivalent of the Astros 2022. And so there was a, so much anger and vitriol from Red Sox fans seeing the team be absolutely crowbarred apart that they, they had to throw this bone to the fans. Chaim Bloom would be carried off, would be would be tarred and feathered. Am I allowed to say tarred and feathered anymore? Well, it, it wouldn't be a literal thing. I was just trying to think of stuff that happened in colonial Boston. It wasn't even just that they traded Benintendi and they traded Betts and they traded uh, Vasquez. It wasn't just that. It was that they got virtually nothing back. Alex Verdugo... Okay, if you want to call him an adequate major league outfielder, fine. They could have got a lot more from Mookie Betts. A lot more. They got nothing from Bogarts. You know, Benintendi was a dump. You know, Vasquez, they traded, you know, they traded away for another for a catcher who was mediocre. I mean, that they and 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 they let, you know, uh Bogarts walk. I mean, that was the other thing. It's like if they got a hall of talent for Mookie Betts, like two or three key players who they can then build around. Okay, I may listen to that. I wouldn't be happy about it because I don't think you trade away players like Betts, but I'd listen to it. But the fact that Verdugo is still around, he's nothing, I mean, he's adequate. And Jeter Downs has been DFA'd. I think it was, I mean, like nobody else from the deal is even resembling uh, uh, someone to contribute on the 2023 team, the Mookie Betts trade was a disaster. 
And maybe, and it was clear that they were going to get pennies from the dollar for Devers. So maybe this is something they had to do. But whether they had to do it or not, let me tell you something. It gave Red Sox fans an absolutely must-needed boost for a little boost to energy. Because let's face it, the, there's been nothing nourishing for the psyche of Red Sox fans that has happened this year. And by the way, if you want to have nourishment and a little boost of energy, can I recommend a Built Bar? If you're looking for a delicious treat, you don't want all the fat and calories, and you got to try a Built Bar. Just made it through the holidays, and you know what? My goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me, when you want to eat healthier, you don't want to compromise taste. And then, man, look at Built Bars is the way to go. They're healthy, and they're actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. I'm not sure how Bill does it, but these bars, they taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. That's even that's even better because they're healthy. Over 100, 130 calories, that's pretty low for a bar like this, only 4 grams of sugar, but they have a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait around to get a box in the mail. I love getting the mail, but for years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars from Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk in the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box, two, maybe seven boxes of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our four hit flavors, brownie batter, churro. You can thank me later. Built.com. Not just online anymore. All right. The Raphael Devers signing is a moment of odd clarity for the Red Sox. They needed to do it. There was no way out of it. This doesn't solve a lot with the Red Sox except they now don't have two gigantic holes. And they have a at least a player to build their offense around. Um, Trevor Story is going to remain at shortstop. Devers remains at uh, third. Okay. Story had a couple of bursts of great power. It still should be Story at second, Bogarts at short. But do you want, we can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Some combination of Christian Arroyo and Kiki Hernandez are going to be playing second base, presumably. Um, was Cassis going to be the first baseman? I don't know. Is it going to be Dahlbeck? I don't know. This is part of the problem. Reese McGuire, Connor Wong, which one of those are going to be the ones who are going to make a difference at catcher? And you still have one of the strangest outfield. Uh, Yoshida, who is the new uh, player they acquired from Japan, um, short guy is going to be the new starting left fielder. Um, you know, he could be great. He could be a spark plug, you know, he, he could be, uh, uh, Jacoby Ellsbury in his prime, or he could be Carl Crawford. I don't know which one he's going to be. Center field is either going to be Resonite or Kiki Hernandez. Verdugo is, um, you know, look at, he's not great in right field, and some combination of those names are going to be the DH. It would have been nice if they kept Kyle Schwarber, who fit the Red Sox like a glove, 
in 2021, and now all he's doing is kicking butt in um, Philadelphia. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you saw it or not, but J.D. Martinez is gone. Nathan Neovaldi is gone. You know, I mean, Chris Sale is still there. And obviously, when Chris Sale is healthy, he's fantastic. But how often is he healthy? Their starting staff, as of this recording, is Chris Sale, who you know is going to get hurt, Nick Pavetta, who is up and down, Garrett Whitlock, Tanner Houck, and Brian Bellow. That's not a great rotation. There's potential in there. Sure. Some of those players could have a good year. Sure. But there's not a young, you know, there's no young workhorse in that, which just means they're going to be taxing the bullpen left and right. They acquired Kenley Jansen. I can't, I don't trust Kenley Jansen any more than I can throw him. I've seen enough Dodger games living in Los Angeles to see, yes, he piles up a lot of saves. Yes, he has a low ERA. I can tell you how many times the Dodgers have lost a big game with Kenley Jansen on the mound. I, I'm just, I don't see him being a good fit in Boston. Chris Martin, fine. And some combination of Jolie Rodriguez and Barnes and Ryan Brazier. I mean, you look at this pitching staff. I mean, Darwin's and Hernandez is still catching in check. Norwith, Gudino. I mean, there's a bunch of people who look like their names just snuck through spell check. But there's no ace to this team, and there's no anchor to this bullpen, which means this team is in danger of having a, oh, for the lack of a better word, a really confusing 2023. The Yankees look great. They do. Uh, they just do. And I think Toronto looks great, too. Toronto shored up their bullpen. Toronto made a couple of daring moves, including the T. Oscar Hernandez deal. But I think they have a better bullpen. They filled in some of the gaps in the outfield after the Hernandez deal. And I think some of the players they had underachieved the first half of the season, costing Charlie Montoyo his job. And I think they're a better team than they showed last year. And what they showed last year was a 90-some-odd win team. I think the Yankees had a spectacular first half, an adequate second half. I think they weren't as good as their first half, and they weren't as bad as their second half. I think both the Yankees and the Blue Jays are mid-90 win teams. I would have put Baltimore in the mid-80s, possibly low-90s, if they went out and had themselves an offseason. They haven't. Tampa Bay, look it. They're still going to probably win 90 games, and none of us are going to figure out why. Which brings us to Boston. By keeping Raphael Devers, they have shown that they're at least willing to have one piece of their pie moving forward as sort of a, as a building block. I think that's smart. I think it means that the Red Sox fans are not going to be tearing the team apart. That being said, what I just listed with the rest of the division showed that their chances of being a true contender, even with an extended wild card, because remember, Houston's obviously great. Seattle's pretty dang good too. Texas has made some big improvements. The chances of the Red Sox even sniffing one of the dangling wild card spots are little to none right now. And when you look at their top uh, prospects, 
whether it's York or Meyer, they're all a few years away. There's virtually nobody who's lined up. Cassis, maybe, you know, Brandon Walther, maybe. But this is a year where the Red Sox could do the right thing, please their fans, and be a little bit honest about what's going to happen here. By the way, I'm going over to the chat right now. Uh, let's go to the Hector Morales posted something in the chat. He says, about time they gave this kid that contract. That's right, Hector. That's right. It's about dang time. You know, the Red Sox, about dang time they showed that they aren't a low-budget operation. But here's the deal. And I talked about this the other the, uh, a week or so ago when uh, Stacey Gatsoulias from Lockdown Yankees was on here, where I said that despite what people think, I don't think Red Sox fans are adverse to a rebuild, provided there's a certain amount of transparency that's going on. Now, I don't trust Bloom anymore than I can throw him, but he can show his great redemption if he takes this upcoming season and does things somewhat intelligently. Let me tell you what I mean. The Boston Red Sox are not going to win the 2023 World Series. Now, granted, I said the same thing about 2013. I thought the Red Sox would be terrible in 2013. I have been wrong before, and I would, you know, as a native New Englander, I would love to eat my words on that. As I said right now, I think they are the fifth best team in the division. And as my listener Hector Morales so succinctly said, we need pitching. You're darn right, Hector. You are GD right on that. I just went through their entire pitching staff. There's not one name I put in ink on that entire staff. Not one. But you take a look at the team right now, and they are not built for right now. Here's the deal. Be honest about that. Tell every, you know, don't necessarily go out and say, uh, we're not, you know, we're, we're going to stink this year. But don't act like, hey, we're going to be, uh, you know, don't act like they're, you know, like they're going to win anything right now. So let's just take a look. Like, if you look at who's available via free agency right now, do the Red Sox sign Gary Sanchez? No. But I think the Red Sox should take a look at who's left in the bargain basement, players who are not signed, and fill in around around the, the team. Fill in to see who they got. I think they need to sign an outfielder. I think they need to bring in at least one infielder. They need to have a hitter. They, they need to, whoever the best hitter is right now who's still available. I think Guriel is still available. Um, you know, Josh Harrison. I would love, Red Sox sign Josh Harrison. Why not? Get him in there so he can play multiple positions. Um, who else is available? Um, Jerickson Profar. You know, no longer a great player, but you know what? He's uh he he has versatility. He can play all over the place. Could the Red Sox go inside Adam Engel? I don't know. Give him a shot. Why not? Why not give Trey Mancini a shot and see if he can hit a bunch of home runs? Uh, bring back Michael Walker. Okay, had a decent rebound season. 
um, or bring back Wade Miley or sign Andrew Chafin. You know, just see who's still available and sign them to one-year deals. Now, that worked big time in 2013, the Boston Strong year. That worked big time because, well, they got a bunch of players to sign for one-year deals. I think the Red Sox should look at this as a year where they focus on the top prospects. Bring in players with one-year deals so they're not locked in in a lot of positions. And the nanosecond a player looks like they may be able to have some sort of advantage by getting a tryout in the major leagues, okay, then you start to bring in the young players. Now, Hector Morales, this is turning the Hector Morales show. He's a little more optimistic than I am. He said he's okay with letting Xander go. You got Marcelo Meyer getting ready. Well, I like how you're thinking to a degree. And, you know, there's a possibility, you know, I'm, Xander gave the Red Sox 10 seasons. It's tough to get mad when a player has 10 years with a team, especially in the free agency era. You know, Meyer will be there. You don't want to rush him, but you also don't want to bury him. If a player has gone past AAA or even AA, bring them to the majors and pitch it in a way that doesn't insult the intelligence of Red Sox fans. Pitching, you know, bringing pitchers who, you know, the major league pitchers who are still available, you know, you're not going to get the next Clayton Kershaw in this batch. But the way pitching is set up now, there's no room for the innings inning aces. Just get a bunch of players who belong in the major leagues on the staff. But the second a young player is available, bring them up to some fanfare. Bring them up with a sense of excitement. Red Sox fans know this is not a World Series contender. If they win, it will be a bigger shock than 2013. Red Sox fans get that. They're not dumb, so don't insult their intelligence. But give them hope for 2024 and beyond. That was one of the things that made Red Sox fans so despondent about what was happening. It wasn't just that the stars were leaving. It's that no one was in their place. It wasn't just that they were allowing other teams to swoop in and take away the players they love. It's that there was a sense of directionless behavior from the team. When we had Lauren from Locked on Red Sox here just last week, I called them the rudderless Red Sox. And that's what they felt like. Now, at least it feels like there's an oar in the water now with Devers being the centerpiece of the offense. That feels a little better to build around. There's no ace to the staff. I'm sorry, Chris Sale. And I said after 2018, you can look it up. I said after 2018, the Red Sox should deal Sale right now. His his value was never going to be higher, and they could have got something for him. But they didn't, and here we are. And Yovaldi is gone, Martinez is gone, all the players who gave them some sense of an anchor are gone. So give Red Sox fans a sense that you're at least paddling in the right direction. That you know what? We've got a plan. It's not going to be 2023. But show up because you get to see some of these players for the first time. Get to know some of these players. 
Because when the next Red Sox team that's going to be playing in October, which might be 2024, might be 2025, you're going to want to know who the players are. I think a little honesty would go a long way. We're here to win the World Series. You're clearly not. And do you know what? Even if you are, this team's not good enough to win it. They're not. Dude, plan 2013. Put major leaguers at each position. That's what they did then. Hope for the best. And if it doesn't work, you can trade up those players for spare parts. It happened to work big time. Okay? But be honest with Red Sox fans. Here's what we're doing. And if we know that by 2024, 2025, this team is going to be a contender again, I think there'll be a certain amount of patience. One season or two is nothing to wait for to have another terrific team. Believe me, I rooted for Red Sox teams that never sniffed the playoffs years and years, but you started to see the likes when they were bringing up like John Tudor and Bruce Hurst and Roger Clemens and Marty Barrett and Wade Boggs. You saw there was a plan that was building. When the Red Sox had lousy years in 2014 and 2015, you saw the percolating of players like Bogarts and Betts and some of the other players who were starting to come up through the system. Be honest. Say, we're working somewhere. We've got a direction. We all know they're not going to win next year. But that sense of, give us a sense of direction. Give us a sense of a plan. I wonder if transparency and honesty would go a long way. I think it might. Step one, you want a star? You got one endeavors. Step two, we got young players coming through our system. And they're going to be really good. Step three, while we're waiting, we're going to give these major leaguers a a deal. And hopefully they can have a rebound year. And uh, cheer them on. Hope for the best. The best is they take one of the wild card spots and they go go for it. And the worst is maybe they'll play spoiler down the stretch and you get to spend some summer days at Fenway Park. You can't tear apart a potential, I don't want to say dynasty, but at least terrific team and then expect everyone to be happy when the residual effect of the teardown was a team that looked like a feathered fish. All right, they've taken the feathers off the fish. Now let's see this fish swim upstream. I believe Red Sox fans would be fine with a year of a rebuild if they see there's building. There's a big difference between this team stinks and we're tanking and we're building towards something. This isn't just a crater in the ground. Show us you're building a building. Now, of course, there's the trust of this front office Uh, has been totally lost, especially in the wake of the Mookie Betts deal. Now build it back. Build. Devers is going to be there, and there's going to be a link to the previous championship team. Build. Fans are fine with a rebuild. They aren't fine with a teardown with no plan. I believe that. And let's see that happen. I'd like to see that happen. And people are going to say I'm overly biased. Do you know what? I don't care. We just had whole episodes on the Cubs and the Brewers and the Tigers. And, you know, so let me talk about the team I grew up rooting for. Uh, got some really interesting shows coming up, 
including a couple that were done on location, one in Chicago, believe it or not. And uh, I just recorded an episode with uh, Dan Epstein. Epstein. I, I always, every time, I, I've known Dan for years, and I keep saying the, his name wrong. Dan Epstein, not Stein. Uh, about Ron Bloomberg uh, and his book called uh, The Captain and Me. I have a copy of it right here. Oh, wait, Hector Morales. Before I'm going to leave, Hector Morales, who is my MVP of today's podcast, he, he just wrote me a novel. So we're going to read it right here. Um, don't worry, Hank Parrish, you're getting a Cardinals crossover. Boston's problem is they know their good players are coming to, to an end under contract and they don't want to move them in time and they're not going to pay them. And let's get something for them. Well, I think their opportunity to trade away some players with value have come and gone. So now I think they have to rebuild through the farm, rebuild through the draft, uh, and uh, roll the dice. Roll the dice. But, hey, I rolled the dice and said it's time to do an emergency podcast here. Um, And this is going to be the last one of the week, last podcast of the week. So thanks for listening to the first week of podcasts. Uh, for the year 2023, uh, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Locked On MLB Pods, and you can find us uh, on YouTube. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. And thanks so much for making us your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out Locked On MLB Prospects. Sorry, host Lindsey Crosby. He's a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Doing an emergency show. For the Raphael Devers signing, this is Locked On MLB for the fourth day of January 2023. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.